The Confluence Story Gathering Podcast is a production of Confluence, a community-supported nonprofit that connects people to the history, living cultures, and ecology of the Columbia River System. Find us at confluenceproject.org. You made your nets and tested the knots, seeing that they held. Little did you know what was to hold you after the sound of water falling over what used to be. Welcome to the Confluence Story Gathering Podcast, Indigenous Voices of the Columbia River. I'm Colin Fogarty, Executive Director of Confluence. That was poet and storyteller Ed Edmo reciting his poem about the loss of Salilo Falls. Ed is Shoshone Bannock, Nez Perce, and Yakima. He recites this at a May 2022 event at the Patricia Research Center for the Arts in Beaverton, Oregon, where a group of artists talked about their new symphony called Salilo Falls, We Were There. The musical piece is a collaboration of Nancy Ives, principal cello of the Oregon Symphony and the composer of the piece, and Joe Cantrell, a photographer and member of the Cherokee Nation. Ed Edmo paired his poetry with Nancy Ives' music and projected photographic images by Joe Cantrell. Salilo Falls' We Were There explores the geologic and human history of the falls and how, when the Dalles Dam flooded Salilo Falls in 1957, indigenous people lost not only their livelihoods, but their cultural and spiritual home since time immemorial. Here's Ed Edmo talking about what inspired him to compose a poem of his called Salilo Fisherman. Let me give you a background. I like to keep paper and pen near me, and I'm a recovering alcoholic and drug addict. I didn't use today or yesterday. And I was sobering up by Scapoose, and I had a postcard of Salilo. And I was thinking about it. Yeah, I was raised there, blah, 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 you know. So I wrote a poem called Salilo Fisherman. That was Ed Edmo. And here's cellist and composer Nancy Ives performing a piece from Salilo Falls, We Were There. So, um, if I may, I, I'm about to perform a piece that is um, one of the ones that forms the basis of the piece will be premiering on June 4th. After Yaki and I talked, and, and we'll talk more about how um, this collaborative team grew, but uh, that was the summer of 2019, and you know what happened the following winter. Uh, and so there we were with um, n- no foreseeable uh, opportunity to actually do an orchestra piece. So I was working at home and just doing live streams, um, but I did, it didn't have to stop me. I had Ed's beautiful poetry, and I have um, I play the cello, and I have some, well, you can judge for yourself, some ability to sing, and I can do them both at the same time. <laughs> so I um, used the time to set some of the poetry to music, and I'm going to perform one of them, because this is really, for me, these are the, the seeds of the piece, of the music. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
After Yaki and I talked, and I I felt um, just ignited by the idea, and and Yaki is a, an amazing collaborator. You you feel the the collaborative flow going just every time you talk to him. Um, so it was a very exciting possibility. But uh, I, I didn't know I needed a collaborator, a Native American collaborator who wanted uh, to have some kind of, you know, their story told in the medium of classical music, of orchestral classical music. Um, and I was casting about, I felt that I, I was attracted to wanting to say something about Celilo Falls, which you might remember was in the news at the time of how the Army Corps of Engineers still had not fulfilled its um, promises, right? That was very much in the news at the time, and I felt I have my own feelings about that, but it's not my story to tell. Um, and then I realized I know someone who is a connector extraordinaire, Joe Cantrell, <laughs> and I, I was kicking myself. We, we, we've been friends for many years, uh, worked together in Classical Up Close, and um, he generously donates his photographic skill and talent um, for some of the organizations that I perform with. Um, so. I talked to, to, to Joe and, and he immediately saw the potential for something really special and he connected me with Ed. So after our first meeting with Ed and Carol, it just felt like, oh, I, I'm getting goosebumps right now just remembering how much, it was like, yes. I mean, uh, Ed is a, a writer, <laughs> a great writer. This is, we've got it. This is our, our story. And, um, so we have the personal experience through Ed's poetry and there, there are four poems that are included in the piece. Uh, and then a story that's a personal childhood recollection. And we have Joe bringing, um, imagery that, uh, well, that Joe can tell you more about that, but, uh, he's bringing this, um, uh, uh, like there's the personal dimension and and the and the verbal dimension, and then there's the um, sort of thirty five thousand foot looking at that deep time, which is one of the movements. Actually, it's called deep time. This is directly inspired by Joe and his vision. And I, as a as a musician and a composer, having the personal perspective and the universal perspective encompassed in one thing is uh, just uh, incredible opportunity because music is the perfect medium for that, right? Can you imagine anything better? I keep getting chills. I'm just, <laughs> just thinking about it. It's just making me. Um, so uh, the poetry, of course, there won't be singing in the orchestra piece, but Ed will read the poem. And then my orchestration of the pieces that I wrote will happen and which was an amazing so I get to see how words inspire um sound that does music without words and I get to see how um the words are embedded in the music 
Uh, so it, that's really um, a magical experience for me. So I'm so Joe Cantrell. Uh, well, I already introduced him a little bit, right? Connector extraordinaire, talented artist, photographer, um, human being, everything. Uh, so take it away, Joe. <laughs> um, Can you take us to 35,000 feet? <laughs> I'll take you. She had been helping uh, some people, working with some people up at Lyle, Washington. They're Yakimas for the most part. And they're fishermen, and they're living uh, very simply. Uh, but they live in 24-7 relationship with the salmon. And through them, I met Martha Truelove. Through Crystal, I met Martha Truelove, who is on her way here. I don't know if she's going to make it or not. Is Martha here? Martha Cloud? I think maybe. I, I, think, I think Martha may be in the house. Um, and she led us to incredible things. When she heard that Nancy was writing a symphony called Salilo Falls, we were there, she told me, bring her up here. 24 hours later, we were there, which is a miracle in itself if you know Nancy's schedule. <laughs> and Martha took Nancy out on the Klickitat River. Maybe some of you know that. It's a narrow, rapid stream uh, through solid basalt. And she had Nancy take off her sunglasses. It was a summer day. She had her take off her sunglasses and lie face down with her forehead against the rock hands to the sides. That's one remarkable woman right there. <laughs> um, and so this, the river would become part of the symphony through Nancy. The river was pounding against that rock she was on. And I'll tell you one other thing, I'm going on too long. I'd watched the fishermen the previous day for about 20 man hours fishing. For, nobody had touched the fish. They weren't in the river yet. But a young man named Patrick dropped his net right between Martha and Nancy. And immediately there was a big salmon in it. Indian wise, that's an omen. That day was amazing. Martha knew exactly what I needed to really connect with what my piece was about, right? And just kept telling me, you need to do this and you need to do that. And every time I did what she told me to do, I had um, like an epiphany. So thank you. <laughs> So um, I'm going to share one more of the, the poetry settings. 
Um, in some ways, this one to me is the theme song of the larger work. It's called Grandfather's Storyteller. <laughs> so it's, it's very much about Ed. Um, and this, this one has, it was actually performed by the very young musicians of the Portland Youth Philharmonic Young Strings in a, an arrangement made specially for them. So um, it's, it's had a, a, already a little bit of extra life. Would you read the poem, please? Yes. Grandfather Storyteller, I come to you with thirsty ears. Grandfather Storyteller, weaving words of aches and strength, words floating on rivers of purity, words. I come to you with wisdom that's not yours alone. Wisdom you shall pass. Wisdom I shall share with the children. Grandfather Storyteller, I come to you with thirsty ears. Thank you. turns into a piece for um, a chamber orchestra. Um, so 
basically it takes using the melody and harmony and just assigning instruments to it and um which is you know a, a fascinating and creative process in its own right and i think it will definitely be recognizable when you hear the the, the full version but um it is very different Another feature of some of the other pieces um, are air sounds because I wanted um, you to really, well, the very first movement is named Enchiwana for obvious reasons, and it's kind of like an overture, and that was actually premiered back at the Slats Bay Music Festival in September, um, and it was, uh, I Actually, some of what I learned when Martha took me to the Clickitat was that the, there is an underlying rhythm to the roaring of a waterfall. It isn't just white noise. And it, that waterfall had, a, like in musical terms, a 4-3 ratio. So I've actually, Yaki, I've actually rewritten that movement. Uh, it's, it's a very subtle thing, but I rewrote it so that there's a 4-3 ratio with the air sounds. Because basically people are going to be going, the wind instruments are going to be going, like, just making an air sound. And when you hear a bunch of people doing that, it sounds like the roar of a waterfall in the distance. Or is it the ghost, actually, of a waterfall? Um, another thing, oh yeah, I don't, I don't think any, anyone here knows this but me. I am so glad you did Coyote, how Coyote uh, created Enchiwana. Mm -hmm because I actually embedded that, the way you tell that story, into the piece. That's no story. No long time ago, there was no Columbia River. The Cascade Mountain there was a great big lake. If you believe science, talk about the Missoula flood for glacier mothers up in Missoula, Montana, three and a half million years ago, forming the rivers of the Northwest. But that's science. Once on what is Indian say, Coyote took a big stick to the top of the mountain and dug and sang a powerful song. Everybody could stick out, how do you say it? Just stick up everyone. Coyote took a big stick to the top of the mountain and dug and sang a powerful song. Can you say it, everyone? Coyote took a big stick to the top of the mountain and dug and sang a powerful song. Coyote took a big stick to the top of the mountain. And that insane, a powerful song. And the water broke through. Only what Indians call Enchiwana. And what they call the Columbia River. It means big river. Because the Columbia River is a big river, right? Animal people moved down to the riverbanks to be closer to the water. Well, Coyote was part of stuff. He made Enchiwana. He was walking up and down Enchiwana to see what he made. He saw the animal people. They had too much to eat. I walked through to the ocean. You saw many salmon swimming in the ocean. Use his power. Told the salmon to swim upstream. That's how Coyote made ancient one. And that's why the salmon swim upstream. Now, you, this you won't recognize. I used the rhythm of what, when he tells the story, as a rhythm for a melody in the piece. So it's one of those subtle ways of, of having the text be embedded into the music. And it just, it adds a spark of inspiration for me. But so now you know, the coyote story, you've heard it in person and um, a little bit of the inflection of Ed's voice and the rhythm that he uses when he says it is into the piece. 
So our first question is, how has it been collaborating between visual arts, music, and storytelling? And I think this is kind of a question for all of you. I feel like I'm the one who's being um, creatively fed by their artistry to create the music. So, um, and I have... I don't know. I mean, I love it a lot. It's pretty great. I mean, it's also the the personal connections and energy and graciousness, and that also really feeds that creative process. But um, yeah, it. I think it's it's just like an extra level. It's an extra dimension of creative fertility. Yeah, for me, um, I've been published around the world. In the 80s, a professor at University of Oregon, Barbara Tolkien, says that they're publishing some Indian stuff in New Zealand. I'm going to send you some of your work. I said, yeah, here's five. You published three of them. So this is a new venue for me, getting out into classical music. Uh, Yaki's going to get me a, my favorite piece is Beethoven Emperor Concerto, Piano Concerto. He's going to get me involved next year to go to listen to it live. It's going to be nice because that's my favorite piece in the world. I don't understand much about classical music. It's for me to learn more and to expand my horizons and to meet all these people like you, you know. It's really nice to get on this. And then I don't know what's going to happen after this. I'm thinking about doing a show called Coyote All Jazzed Up, hiring some jazz musicians to write the music and probably play here at the producer in a couple of years. So we'll see. That's <laughs> just a dream. My another dream is to write a documentary about Tulalo. I'm in one called Echoes of Water Against the Rocks on YouTube. Echoes of Water Against the Rocks, you can watch that. And then uh, not too many people know about Tulalo Falls. People our age. Nobody since I've been there, they've seen it. People that are younger than us, two generations, people now they don't understand what Slala Falls is or was. I was there when they flooded the water. I moved to Wish Run, Washington. My father worked on a railroad, took him out of school, and I thought, how can something so beautiful, so wonderful, be covered up? Really hurt my heart hard. Really, really bad. I couldn't figure it out. Thank you. The only time I ever saw my grandfather cry was when uh, we discovered that the lake the Corps of Engineers had created uh, in the Cookson Hills of Oklahoma had flooded his allotment that he had had as a boy. Um, that carried carried great impact for me. It's a lot to shoot Indians now, right? They try to get rid of us. They gave us smallpox blankets. They flooded us out. At the time, they built the Downs Dam. They built in Fort Thompson. They built the dam there for that Indian community. Then the Kinzuk Dam and the Iroquois Confederation, they built dams to flood us out, to separate us from the land, separate us from culture. I saw my grandpa fish, my uncle's fish, my dad fish. 
My brother fished. I thought, gee, when I grow up, I'll become a fisherman, you know? But my male part of the role model was taken away. I'm fishing right now. Got my fishing vest on, my fishing hat, my fishing tennis shoes. I'm fishing for an animal with a check in it so I can take the safe way and cash and get food for my family. I fish in a different way. That was poet Ed Edmo, along with cellist and composer Nancy Ives, and photographer Joe Cantrell, discussing their symphony, Celilo Falls, We Were There. To find out more about the piece, go to nancyives.com. And to find out more about Confluence and the five completed sites along the Columbia River system, check out our website, confluenceproject.org. Remember, Confluence is a community-supported nonprofit. We can only do this work because of the generous support from the Friends of Confluence, and that's you. Join us today at confluenceproject.org. Thanks for listening to the Confluence Story Gathering Podcast, Indigenous Voices of the Columbia River. I'm Colin Fogarty, Executive Director of Confluence.